The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. What a fight. Justin Gaethje and Michael Chandler now connected forever. And I will be pushing you everywhere and anywhere. Justin Gaethje, ladies and gentlemen. And Bilal Muhammad appears to have passed this Damian Maya test. And he is going to get another big showcase later in 2021. Bilal, remember the name Muhammad. Please tell me that's on video. I've never been happier. I'm made for a fucking podcast. We're <laughs> dangerous. Listen to me, we're out of here. All right, welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Matt Sarah is away today. I think he's with Dana. So, Bob, thanks for joining. Thanks for having <laughs> Thanks for having. I came, um, I'm, I'm really running late today. I got people outside fixing stuff and I just, I just, there was traffic and I'm late. So um, we're going to have, um, did you watch the fights? Did you see the Gaethje Michael Chandler fight? I was actually at Skankfest and I was scheduled to go on stage late and I begged somebody um, to go on before me. And, and uh, so I could take her for, you know, Kim Conant. She let me go on food before, and I went and watched it at a bar. I mean, standing room only. They had the uh, Canela fight over here and the UFC right here. And around, I don't know, maybe 300 people just standing room only. It was incredible. Yeah, Justin, uh, Justin is here now. I guess he's in the waiting room. Hey, Justin. What's up, guys? How you doing? Great. You look good considering that fight you just had. Like you really, you look like you don't have a lot of marks on. Even in that photo of you and Chandler in the hospital, you look pretty good. Yeah, I mean, uh, other than him shaking me a little bit in the first, you know, I, didn't get, I did not get hit too much. My leg was jacked up for sure. Yeah, I think his was too. I mean, you, you gave his leg quite a beating. Um, were, were you surprised you were able to do that the way you were? Because, I mean, everyone kind of figured you were going to go after the legs and you did. Yeah, I mean, um, that was definitely an idea that we had before going in. You know, with the stance being so wide, um, you know, once he really goes forward with all the explosion, it's it's really straight backwards, at least for a couple steps. So, yeah, I mean, that was, um, you know, you've seen in previous fights where he's had some serious issues with late kicks. So, yeah, that was definitely part of the plan. He didn't look I mean, he looked uh, way worse than you at the end of the fight. He got they get 22 stitches in the mouth. I mean, you really. Yeah, those uh those numbers they put up. For strike counts are absolute bullshit. Absolute bullshit. They do not. They don't paint a picture of anything. Um, the announcers use it to, you know, as a tool to kind of keep the the fight fans interested or intrigued. But those numbers are absolute bullshit. He uh, he didn't hit me much after the first round at all, other than when the ref, you know, got me hit one time. My fault. Should protect yourself at all times. It is what it is. I've moved past that. But yeah. What was his power compared to what you were expecting? Because he's definitely, he, he's good on his feet and he's, he's obviously very strong. We saw what he did to Dan, Dan Hooker, who is certainly better than that fight showed. What was his power, what you expected? Was it not quite as much or was it more? I mean, how fast he was, was surprising. That's always going to be, you know, when you don't see something like that and then it's right there in front of you. I mean, it's, it was fast. The first, the first round specifically was, was really fast. Um, the shots that he hit me with, no, not one shot that I felt like, again, um, the one shot where my legs got a kind of kind of funky, you know, I didn't feel um, like I got hit hard. It was weird. Uh, it was just like a split second of, 
you know, loss of something. And then it was immediately back to normal. So the shot was hard, uh, but it wasn't, it wasn't extra hard. It was perfectly placed. Right. But you felt like you weren't in any, you weren't in any danger. Maybe it looked worse to us than it actually felt to you. Yeah. I mean, I never felt in danger at all. Was it weird to have your coach? I mean, your coach had so many fighters on that card and you guys all won. Was it weird to have your coach, you know, not be just you focusing on just you having to go, go around everywhere? I fought first, so it really nothing changed when it came to uh, to how we approached my fight. The only thing that changed is how you know he approached the fights after because you know he had to come back, um, change his clothes, and really worry about the next two athletes. So going first, it kind of um, you know made it normal. Did you um did you and uh, you you guys swapped with uh, Chito Vera Frankie right? That was the you guys just kind of flip flop. Was there a reason for that? Yeah, I mean as soon as this fight got announced. Myself, Camaro, and Trevor were told our manager, Ali Abdelaziz, that, you know, we couldn't go back to back to back to start working on this. And, yeah, I think um, – I don't know how far before we found out, but we certainly knew when they announced it. Okay. Yeah, because that – I mean, it didn't really – as a fan, it didn't matter. You know, you watched that fight. It didn't change anything for you either, I take it, right? There was no change in mentality or any of that stuff. No, no. All it did is help my coach. Um, you know, he, he if it was back to back to back, you know, he, could, he has to tape all of our hands. And then I go out and fight. He rushes back, goes out with Rose. And so for an hour and 20 minutes or an hour and 30 minutes, he is not with Kamaru at all. Um, and so that would have been the case. And that was that was why we had to change it. Wow. That's funny. That didn't even occur to me. I thought it had something to do with the UFC. Not, I mean, Frankie and, and Marlon was a great fight, uh, yeah. uh, uh, too. So I was like, maybe they just wanted to start with this because people are talking about fight of the year. I mean, this was, you seem to be really comfortable in those, those like close, uh, just slugging it out. Like you seem to be really, really comfortable in those situations. Yeah. It's doesn't make sense, but it is the most peaceful that I've ever been by far. Like I am so relaxed and just, uh, yeah, God, I have control of everything, you know, flying on an airplane. I can't relax because I have no control if we're going to crash you know, riding the passenger seat of a vehicle. I don't have control in that cage. I have control. So, um, yeah, I'm just so relaxed. That's interesting. You're so you're, I, I get really jittery and it's gotten worse since after the pandemics, I didn't fly for so long, but I've gotten really shitty in turbulence and in bumps. Are you, uh, you're an uncomfortable flyer. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Xanax helps for sure. But, uh, yeah, just flying, you know, floating through the air with, uh, 200 other people and a big metal tube, you know, <laughs> It's super safe, you know, the statistics are there, but I don't know, something about my uh, rationalization tells me I'm not safe. And when you're in those moments, you said you feel like really peaceful. You're able just to block everything else out and you're only seeing and feeling what's happening in front of you. Are you like having like a lot of conscious thoughts or is it all mostly reaction? Yeah, there's not, I didn't have one conscious thought. Um, I didn't hear the crowd one time. Yeah, just complete serenity and peace. Uh, but, you know, in a, competition hurt this motherfucker kind of way so probably hard to hard to understand <laughs> yeah i mean i'm more scared of uh, what you do than i am of flying they both they both frighten me but uh, yeah the idea of doing what you do especially the way you do it i mean uh, everybody kind of recognizes that you do you're really ferocious and um i mean you're obviously a fan favorite and you never seem to have any qualms about that like a lot of guys want to take less damage as they move forward but you don't seem to uh to be concerned about it yeah, I mean, since I since I fought Dustin Poirier in the fights, you know, I've probably been in there almost 60 minutes of fight time. And, you know, the one shot from Tony Ferguson, um, that shot, the three shots in the first round from uh, Michael Chandler are the only shots that I see that I have taken since that Dustin Poirier fight. You know, that's not to say that practice isn't harder, but it is what it is. What do you think about him? Um him uh fighting for the belt what, what do you think is going to happen in that and do you have a uh a, a kind of a do you think you should be next in line i was ranked number two um i was the last one to fight for the belt you know the circumstances were not the same as the as the champ retired you know kind of resets everything so i was number two and i needed to get a win i did that uh it was a spectacular win could have finished but for the first time in my life winning was more important than than knocking somebody out um i'm not happy about it I somewhat regret it, but I, I do think I made the, the correct calculation. Have you any any conversations about what's next? What's happening next? Anybody? No, um, no, nah, we're not with the UFC. Um, you know, Dana at the press conference said this guy's ranked number two. If he wins, he's fighting for the belt. 
you know, this is not boxing. The best thing is, you know, there is a there is a path to the title. I took that path. You know, the the guys that I fought, the three my three losses were to, you know, at one time or another, a current champ, interim champ, and a former champ. Yeah. You know, and Eddie Alvarez being a a former champ, Dustin Poirier being a interim champ, and Khabib when I fought him was the current champ. So I've taken the hardest road that they have out there, and yeah, you know, I fought, I lost. Shit resets when he retires. This is a, a new ball game. So yeah, I think I'm not sure who's gonna win. I'm really hoping that I'll be in the in the you know in the stands to watch that fight. I'm a huge fan of MMA. It's gonna be a really really interesting fight. What did you do after your fight? After you won, what did you do? It. What do you do? Chill? You go out? Do you party? Yeah, no, we uh. So they made me go to the hospital, yeah. and they you know wasted two and a half hours of my life is what they did. Um. And then, yeah, I go back to the hotel, you know, all my family's there. We just go up to my room and we, you know, hang out and laugh, you know, a lot of laughing. I mean, you're sponsored by Trojan. I mean, <laughs> I, got my, uh, I saw your, your Twitter. You literally had a duffel bag of Trojans. You had uh, all the sizes except mine, the slim and sassy. <laughs> in your- hey, uh, yeah, I got my I got my mom there, my sister. Oh, like, all right. family so dude, that is so much more important to me than yeah. going to try to score some pussy at night yeah <laughs> and you uh you said too that you like you kind of you you wanted the knockout and you got the decision you were just fighting for to, for a win but i mean again i would never have noticed that by the way you were fighting it looked like you were trying to so it wasn't as like specifically let's get a, a win only it was the there's a constant risk assessment that's going on and the power that he presented and the choices that he was making, you know, didn't allow that factor to go down enough for me to uh, to capitalize on it. And, yeah, the choice being, you know, his choice to not go away. He had made a choice after the first round or halfway through the second that no matter what, he was, uh, he was going to be ready for the firefight. And, you know, he understood how much danger he was in. So there was never a spot where I could catch him relaxed which you need to do to knock somebody out. Have you had that before where you felt like you pressed for a win and it cost you? Um, where it was something like you you were in good shape and then you pressed a little harder because you wanted the knockout, I should say, um, and, and where, where you took damage because of it? Yeah, I mean, I would say that my first two losses to Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier were very similar in that way. Um, for one, you know, I hadn't understood what I was doing or why I was doing it. You know, now I have a much better understanding uh, of what and why and how. Uh, but yeah, back then it was just, let's see who's tougher. You know, I thought, from day one that that's all this game was was let's see who who's tougher uh but yeah this last fight really opened my eyes to you know how skill-based it is and i think habib has been kind of lobbying for makachev to fight for the title maybe because obviously they're close um and, and how do you feel about that and do you think obviously dana said you're number two you're going to get the shot um what do you think yeah i think it's awesome i mean if you're not using your friends to to better yourself, then you know as a group, then you guys are fucking up. Uh, that's his job. You know, I still do not believe that that was him writing those messages. Uh, it was way too proper of English. Uh, not ever once in the history of his. That, and then people want to say it was Ali Abdelaziz. Like he has much less chance of writing a proper sentence in this form than even Habib does. So it wasn't either one of them. Um, if it was my, if I had to guess, I would say it was Rizvan Magomedov. The dude that uh, helps Ali with the Russian dudes. Uh, and when you when you read something like that, do you do you kind of go like, "Hey, this is all just a part of it," or is there a little party that's like, "Hey, what the fuck, man? I, I mean, you know, I'm, I deserve the next shot," and it's kind of insulting. Yeah, I mean, I really shouldn't even reply because it doesn't fucking matter what they think. Um, at the end of the day, that dude Makachev fought number fourteen, went to number five, and fought a late replacement, Dan Hooker. It wasn't Dan Hooker on a full camp. It does not count as much, but it's still, I'll give him, it's two, you know, top 15 guys, none in the top five, only one in the top 10. That's not how this shit works. Do your fucking job, fight these guys. But Neil, and, but Neil Darius is right here, like, and I like to do, he's my friend, so that's why, I, like, you're not just going to jump over this man and expect to get a title shot whenever number three guy is Benil Darius. You know, handle that. So you think him against Benil would be the fight? It makes sense. That's uh, yeah. when it comes to... <laughs> It's shit that makes sense. That'd be it. If Poirier wins, let's say Poirier takes the, the title from Oliver, you, you've you lost to Dustin. This would be the first time I'm guessing that you've had a rematch unless you did it um, in the – is there any type of a um, a, a mental uh, 
thing for that or no? How would you think you'd feel about that being that he that you lost one to him? I mean, when I take myself back to that night in Arizona, you know, after that fight, I was outside. I took two, three hundred pictures with fans. I was out at the, you know, out the bar hanging out from Arizona. So all my friends and family were there. So at that point, I went out, you know, to a bar, took a shit ton of pictures. And yeah, that's not where Dustin Poirier is or was. So um, there's nothing from that night that terrifies me to to relive. Um, but I don't think the same would be said for him. So yeah, I'm looking forward to the rematch. I'm looking forward to him knowing uh, you know, what he went through last time, having to embrace that, having to, you know, really buy into being content with that happening again. And then, you know, with again with this last fight, I've understood how much my skills should be a factor. And so yeah, it's it's a much different fight all the way around. And what about the uh and Chandler's wrestling people? I think that I thought that would be a bigger factor because obviously your defense is great and you certainly can uh you know what you're doing and you're you're a very good wrestler. So was did, did was there less of it than you thought? Like sometimes two guys like the first Colby Camaro fight, there was like I think no takedown attempts or you know is that kind of what happened with you guys? Like where you felt like there was not gonna be a whole lot of shots taken? Uh I mean, you don't, I don't go into any fight with too many um, preconceived notions on things that will or won't happen. You know, I like to really be present and just rely on my, you know, my skills that I've, that I've gained, but uh, I don't know. That's a tough one. Yeah. I always, but guys have that philosophy too. Like some guys will watch a lot of tape and they're obsessed with tape and they're obsessed with preparation and other guys just watch very little and say, I I don't want to have a preconceived notion because then I'm going to wind up doing something anticipating something that's not coming. If you only have a plan A or and plan B and then those fail, like what is your options? You know, you kind of put yourself up against the wall or in a hole um, from, from that first second, you know, you have to be perfect for 15 or 25 minutes. And that's really not a lot of time in, in theory. Um, so you just have to really take, take control of that. Um, and I, I, I just controlled the space. That's why he wasn't able to, you know, he, I never touched the fence with my back other than that one time that I was slightly rocked in the first period you know, and outside that, I'd never even crossed the black line. So in order for him to have success there, he would have had to make those things happen. Was there anything, um, like I, the example I use a lot because it was, Jones said it was after the last fight with Cormier where he, he, he threw that uh, head kick. He said they had noticed something uh, with the way he dipped, uh, I think, to his left, if I remember correctly. There was something that he saw in tape that he just made a mental note of. Was there anything with Chandler that you saw that you just kind of made a note of and said, uh, I'll just kind of keep it there if I need it? Yeah, I mean, that's the constant that's the constant in a fight. You know, we've trained these, uh, you know, there's thousands and thousands of pieces of information coming in those instances. And, you know, your ability to process it, but like, but not hesitate. Um, it's something that I've worked on and perfected. And that is, I can't, what, what was your initial question? Uh, oh, was there, because uh, I was kind of quoting what Jones had said about Cormier, where he noticed him dipping a certain way. So I was wondering if there was anything you had noticed beforehand that you kind of went, that, that's something I noticed. So you go back and watch the fight, you see when I landed that big uppercut, you know, two seconds before that, I landed a, you know, a hook. And so that information that I'm receiving in that instant instance is why I threw the uppercut, you know. But again, you know, I don't have one thought process in there, so I wouldn't be able to retain the information if that was the case. Right. So when you understand the game plan, you just, you, you just kind of know what it is, almost like you feel it as opposed to thinking it through as you're fighting. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is a honed skill. I have honed these skills to to for hand-to-hand combat, you know, my entire life. So yeah, that is just the most important thing. Um, I don't know how to explain it. I'll probably sound stupider the more I talk. So no, 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 it's interesting. I mean, again, it's, it's such a, a mindset that as a person who's never fought to, to, to hear what, what you, th- what you think and you feel in the cage. Um, yeah. Some guys may think that their mind is racing all the time. And a guy like you is like, no, I'm just kind of feeling whatever comes at me and I'm trying not to think. I mean, for me, it's, it's going to a primal instinct spot, you know, as humans, you know, we are, it's natural to, to eat, sleep, drink, fuck and fight. Like those are natural. And not too long ago, we had to fuck to eat, sleep, drink and all that shit comfortably. Um, and I think it is in us. I think you see mama bear instincts. You see people lifting cars off of people that are in desperate situations. Um, I'm able to tap into that and, and be comfortable there. So I'm not sure how, or why but yeah that is that's what i do and that's why i look so uh comfortable in there because I, I am i'm in a very peaceful state you just uh you just celebrated your birthday yesterday happy birthday happy birthday what yes, what, uh, what did you get did you, i mean you gotta what did you get what do you ask for what does a guy like you ask for for your birthday oh fuck dude 
this is a weird life. To tell you the truth, I spend a lot of time alone. Really? Uh, yeah. I went golfing. All my family lives in Arizona. You know, I have friends around here, but yesterday was Sunday, and I like to rest on Sunday. I went golfing in the morning, and then I was at home by myself. I went to King Supers, got me some cinnamon rolls. I went to get a cake, but I didn't see a cake that I wanted to eat. So I got some cinnamon rolls and made those bitches and enjoyed the hell out of them. Then I went to bed. You didn't open a present? You didn't, nobody sang happy birthday? My mom and dad sang me happy birthday. All right. Oh, happy birthday. <laughs> happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Gaethje. Happy birthday to you. There you go. We sang it to you. Thank you. You sang it to yeah, us. Yeah, I had to Vegas on Wednesday to corner a guy this Saturday. And then I'll head home to Arizona for the next week. So I'll be there all week. I'm sure we'll do uh, some kind of celebration. We're going to the Polar Express. I got seven nieces, two nephews. Oh, wow. What's the Polar Express? It's uh, I've never been there. Cause I don't have children. Um, it's a ride. But I think on a train and it's based, oh. you know, it's the Christmas thing, Christmas thing, but it's an awesome ride. I've heard of that. Yeah. I have heard of that. So do you, you like having like, like nieces and nephews, right? Cause I have two nephews and it was, it, I'm too irresponsible to be a parent. So I just kind of, it was great. Like doing a little shit with them and then just kind of not having to deal with it. Yeah. You get to go home and have peace and quiet. Uh, yeah. I, I love it. I live a state away. So it's tough, man. Every time I see them, they've grown so much. It, that shit hurts, but you know, I call them as much as often. They come up here once or twice a year. So yeah, it's it is what it is. This is the life I chose. Yeah. Great to have have you as an uncle though. Just, you know, you know you're never gonna get fucked with. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm from a really small place. So yeah, they're you know, they get to take some of my celebrity and go to school with it. Um, you know, there's the cool kids at school. My ne- one of my nephews is because they all know he's my new my nephew. So yeah, that's that's all cool. Well, Justin, look, man, th- thanks for coming on. We, I love you. And uh, you just, you, again, I hope you fight for the belt after. Uh, I'm you, man. <laughs> thank you. After, uh, uh, you know, you're one of my favorite fighters. And, and, and after that last performance, it was just, it was what we expected. And uh, I was, I was actually almost equally impressed with Chandler, his ability to withstand it and his ability to finish the fight. Uh, I thought. Yeah, was, I've was said great. it before. Not, not often does my opponent get to best me in the inspirational department. And I'm so glad that that is that he's getting recognition for that. You know, there's being yeah. brought to the attention of, of what he made a choice. You know, and it really can, you know, relate to to everybody and everybody's life. And you know, the choices that you make, the choice you're making right now, you know, is is all that matters. And he made a choice to not go away, to not give up, and that's the only way that you could take those shots and take that damage. So yeah, it's commendable. Not smart, but commendable. Yeah. <laughs> Really great. I was uh, in a bar in Houston and the place was going fucking ballistic during the fight. So Yeah, those are my favorite stories, man. Um, I had a chef this fight and she had never watched the MMA fight. Um, at some point I said Conor McGregor versus um, Floyd Mayweather. And she's like, I know Floyd Mayweather, but I've never heard of the other guy. I was like, that's awesome. You know, I love that you have no interest in any of this. You know, just help me with my nutrition. But um, yeah, I told her when I win, you know, there's if there was a satellite from space, it was like just one quick ray of energy. And uh, yeah, that's what I, that's why I fight. That's, that's my, the main reason I fight is to make people feel that feeling. And I know that uh, my fights do that to people. When I see a fight like mine, you want to go home and watch that shit. It's like, what the fuck is wrong with these guys? Yeah. But, you know, it's so fun. Yeah. And even, and even in the losses, and again, like we just said about Chandler, there was never anything other than respect. And like, this is a guy I would watch fight once a week. If he could fight once a week, like it's just every fight you're in is a great fight. And, uh, I I can't wait to see you fight either, uh, Poirier or, uh, Oliveira. I mean, uh, whoever you fight, um, you know, I'll, I'll look forward to that, man. And have a great holiday. It's always good talking to you. Yes, sir. You guys as well. Have a good one. This episode of UFC Unfiltered is brought to you by P3, the official protein snack of the UFC. P3 portable protein packs are a savory and crunchy combination of three dynamic sources of protein from meat, cheese, and nuts. Each P3 pack contains up to 13 grams of protein, and they come in great tasting combinations like turkey, almond, and Colby Jack. P3, three dynamic ways to fuel your day with protein-packed meat, cheese, and nuts, because three is better than one. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters 
both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. You say, I love you? No, but that, what I meant to say was, I love you as a fighter, not I love you. Like, I, I don't I know him through interviewing him. I love you as a fighter, but I just got sidetracked. I'm kidding. It's no, just, you're right, though. It was weird because I don't know him like that, but I was trying to say I love you as a fighter, but to say I love you sounded like we're that close. It's just weird. Oh, it, was just, it just came out. I was like, I love you. It was like that I would say it's a dawn. I oh, yeah. No, I didn't mean that. Yeah. It came out. <laughs> you know, and I'm glad he didn't say it back because I would have had to leave this car. I would have had to hang up. He did say it back. Yeah, but did he go out? Not like you. Not I love you. Well, I, I love you as a fight. I was just say like his in his fights. Yeah, you're right. Just didn't come out right. You said, I love you too, man. He yeah. did it the right way. I love you too, man. Yeah. He probably thinks that guy's weird. Why would he say that? <laughs> I just didn't finish my thought. You know, I, I start thoughts and I don't finish them. Well, it's, it's funny that you said the Polar Express because you don't have kids and you're like, what's that? It's, it's, <laughs> it's you know, it's just a kid ride. It's very funny. <laughs> but isn't it better that I didn't know what it is? Like, um, it, isn't that that shows you that I, I have any interest in kids? Though? I don't know what the Polar Express is. Yeah, if you were like, oh, I have season passes. <laughs> it would have been a concern. But yeah, his fight, it was fucking amazing. I haven't seen you in a while, Bob. I have not seen you. Yeah, I've been, uh, I don't know. We, we, you're on the road. I'm on the road. I know. You gotta come up. You come up for Thanksgiving. I think I, I'm not. I think I'm going to see my family. Maybe I can come up later that night. I got to see my parents, though. Ooh. I know. I don't like you. Like I know they don't, but I still have to see them. Max misses you. I miss Max too, but my parents have a few things in the will I may have my eye on. Oh, so I don't really? want to fuck. What, a house in Jersey? Yeah, a few stamps. Fucking. Uh. <laughs> oh, come on, you got to come up. Will you come up for dinner? I'll come up after dinner. I got to see my parents, uh, but I will come up after dinner. Um, I was so funny. I'm at the Skank Fest, which uh, it was sad that you weren't there. I had a makeup date at Caroline's from like a year and a half ago that that was the date they gave me. Should have canceled. It I know. I wish I could have. It was amazing, but I'm standing in front of uh, the venue. Uh, it's all fans. You know, when you go to a festival, a lot of times it's, you know, some of your fans, but a lot of other people that are there to see other people. Sure. But this thing is just all, they know us. Right. And uh, Kate comes up, he goes, where's Doug? So annoying. So annoying. And I went, I, I got him so bad. I go, He's, he just went inside and did a set. He's like, what? No, he... <laughs> On stage right now, dude. He's like, you're lying. I go, buddy, whatever. He just went on stage and he, I, I've never seen a grown man run <laughs> into a venue for a person that doesn't exist. And he came out a half hour later, very disappointed. <laughs> That's good. That made, that does make me happy. Uh, that not only that, that he wanted to see it, but that you lied. And then part three is that it, it, I wasn't there to give it to him. That, that makes me happy. A lot of Doug Bell shirts at the festival, to be honest. Oh, were they really? Oh, good. The the big Doug Bell head really just stands out, doesn't it? Yeah, it's uh, it's almost offensive. It's it's almost vulgar in its uh, in its uh, aggression. Yeah, I, I agree. I would hate that too. It feels like a warning. Yeah. When you see somebody wearing the Doug Bell, just the head shirt, it's like a warning. It's like there's something off with this guy. Like. Across the street. He has good taste in, in jokes. He has good taste in jokes. Hey, did you see um, uh, Yaya Rodriguez, Max Holloway? That fight was really fucking good. Um, it went, Max won unanimous decision, but Jesus Christ, was that uh, a competitive fight? It was great, too, at the end when he ran out to the ambulance. Right? Did you see that? No, I did not. I watched the, uh, his, his interview in the Octagon, but no, I didn't. Yeah, I just love that fighters are just, I mean, I wish I would have had that 
manly thing in me. You know, if I just got into a fight, I, <laughs> not that thing. <laughs> I wish I had a manly thing in me. How about me asking Trojan thing, dude? You should. I was with my fam. No. <laughs> yeah. I actually thought Justin was married, so. Yeah, I did too. Um, no, I didn't want, not the man. I just don't have, if I got into a fight, I would be looking for sympathy. You know, I'd just be like, oh, can you hand me that? Can you, I just have people do stuff to me. This guy runs out, runs out. The other guys in the, in the ambulance, they're just giving each other high fives. Yeah. Get out of each other. It's such a, just a honorable people, you know, human beings, these, these fighters are. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, that was a great, great fucking fight. I like Yaya Rodriguez. He hasn't fought in like two years. Yeah. It was a great fight. Max is awesome. I love Max. Yeah, I do too. Um, I do too. I thought he won at least one of those Volkanovsky fights. All right. We got Bilal Muhammad ready to go. Awesome. Everybody's on time today. I'd like exactly on time. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hey, man, how you doing? Hey, what's up, bro? Uh, doing okay. How's life? Good. You know, I just got finished working out. Can't complain, except for the freezing cold Chicago weather. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm in New York. It's starting to really suck here, too. Um, you know, it is what it is. How, how long have you been in Chicago? Your whole life, or are you just there to train? Yeah, yeah I've been here in Chicago my whole life, uh, born and raised here. But I just came back from Vegas on Sunday, working over there, the the desk. So it's like going from 80 degrees now in Chicago. It's, it just started flurrying right now. So I'm like, oh, my God, here we go. Chicago sucks in the winter. It's like a different because <laughs> you got that lake, that lake shit effect coming right off there. Yeah, my sister lives right downtown. So like anytime I go over there and visit, it's like freezing cold. And then I'm like, man, I got to move. And then people are like, oh, there's nothing like Chicago. I'm like, yeah, I already had enough of Chicago. I had 30 years of Chicago. I'm done with it. Uh, do you like uh, doing this stuff at the desk? It's, it's obviously a, a, a nice to have that uh, as an option, right? Do you love doing that? Yeah, I really like it a lot. Uh, it's one of those things where... I felt like uh, my coaches always told me, like, I always knew so much about fighters. Like, I would always watch fights. I would never miss a fight. Like, I'm watching when the prelims on. And if, like, you have so much useless information about random guys that it's going gonna, it's gonna to start paying off sooner or later. And then, uh, you know, now that I got my opportunity, I like it because it's fun. And it gives me – it keeps me in the sport. Even when I don't have a fight or something going on, like, I still own the public's eye. I still have fans looking at me, watching me. And then it makes me study other fighters. So, like, I, when I'm watching fights and studying them, I'll be like, oh, man – Look at this work for this guy. Let me try it for myself. Uh, you oh. just learn new things by just watching. Is there a lot of, do you have a lot of preparation for that though? Is it, do you have to do a lot of homework before it or are you, are you kind of just getting information and winging it? Some guys will, will just wing it. Uh, but for me, like I want to be the best at everything I do. So like I'm sitting there, I'm watching every single fighter on the card, at least two or three of their fights uh, just to keep it fresh in my head. And cause I want to, I want to bring up something new to the table because like anybody can look up stats and be like oh well this guy's six foot four and he's long but i want to know about their style of fighting the way they move the way they this something tricky about them so i can bring something new to the analyst desk you know it's funny bobby you just asked that question because i was thinking of the exact same thing as you asked it i had uh, when dean thomas was in town for uh um here in new york for ufc and uh i, I text him I'm like hey let's get together he's like oh man i gotta do homework i got uh i got the weigh-in show tomorrow or whatever so i guess the night before do you just kind of stay in the house and uh and go over everything and watch fights or you give yourself a few days how do you do it yeah for for me i like probably start the week of and then when i get down there it's like once i'm in vegas i'm not going out or anything like that i'll get like 
a session in or a training session in, and then it's like, all right, back to watching videos and stuff. So it stays fresh in my head. And that's another cool thing is when you're working with other fighters and other coaches like Dean Thomas, and then I work with Rashad Evans. So we're in there, we're watching fights together. So I see his point of view of it, and he'll tell me like, oh, this is what I would tell my fighter right now to do this. So you're learning from these OGs of the game. Yeah, there really is an art to it. It's 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 a, a not an easy sport because there's so many positions. It changes. I mean, baseball, uh, down the middle, base hit, double. I mean, we, we fucking know what's happening. But fighting, there's so many things, and you're explaining it in a way to a lot of people who are not – necessarily fighters or, or knowledgeable about fighting so you're explaining positions and things on the floor and advancing positions it, it's really really a, a, a it seems like a very difficult sport to call accurately yeah and exactly and then the game's like ever evolving so it's not like there, there's always something new popping up we just saw this weekend with yaya rodriguez where he brings in such unpredictableness to the game where a guy like max holloway has to sit back and watch him a little bit and he'll shoot a takedown when he never shoots a takedown because this guy's throwing stuff in the wildest spots. And then as I'm watching the fight, I'm looking at him like, like I don't even know how to explain that to the viewer because my elbow doesn't move in that way that uh, Yair's does. But it makes me step my game up too because it's like, all right, let me try that at practice. Let me move like that a little bit and see what works because if it's working on a guy like Max Holloway, it'll work on anybody. Did you feel comfortable? Like, because you have to know where to look in the camera and when to talk to the guys. And when there's a lot more that goes into it than just knowing you have to know what you're talking about and give your perspective, but you also have to not look like an ass. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. That's the biggest <laughs> thing for me where I'm trying to figure out the camera. I'm looking at the light. I'm looking at that. People don't understand. There's like eight cameras back there. And then sometimes when you're over talking, like you're just like, you get lost in your thought. But I was literally talking to talking to Michael Chandler about that. And he's like, man, people don't understand it. Like fighting's easy. That the, the analyst work is a lot harder because you're sitting there, trying to talk and then you don't know if you should be talking at the, the person next to you or the camera or if you have a good point look at this camera but a lot of the people that they're all cool they're all like yeah like understanding the camera work is the hardest thing like you you'll that'll come with a lot of time and a lot of uh reps have you ever gotten in like an argument or like like kind of like a fuck you moment like you're wrong or with somebody or is it always just nice or pleasant you know no i mean it, it all depends on the personalities that i'm working with like uh, when i'm working with dc it's fun because you know that he just takes everything so nonchalantly and he's like joking around the whole time. But when you're going with a guy like uh, Anthony Smith, he's very good at his analyst work. So you're like, all right, I gotta, I gotta keep up with him because he's very good at breaking stuff down. But when we get to DC, it's all jokes. D Thomas, it's all jokes, but like they also have a serious side to them. So it's fun working with different guys. Dominic Cruz seems like he's very much about business too. When he, uh, when he announces Dominic Cruz seems very, very business oriented. Yeah, when those guys are back there, yeah, you like DC will say, it's crack a joke, and Dominic, no, that's, that's not right. <laughs> and, I, and I'd be like, dude, man, loosen up a little bit. They used to have the fighters on, and sometimes the fighters were supposed to fight the analysts who are fighters. We're going to fight that. And that tension was always interesting to me when that happened. You know? Yeah, Anthony Smith was literally just talking about that with him and John Jones. He said that, like, he, was, he was at a desk once, and he was like interviewing John Jones. And then I guess uh, they were pushing him to call out John Jones for the fight. And John's like, oh, that's what you're going to use your, your uh, life for. And he's like, bro, I'm trying to keep it professional. Like, they're telling me to call you out. Like, how are you not? Like, we're fighters at heart anyway. And like we saw with Kamaru Usman and Kobe Covington, Kobe, where they just yeah. hate each other. So, like, those are, ex those are like good moments, too. Because he may be an analyst at this moment. He may be wearing a suit. But the suit could come off. That tie could uh, come off. And we'll, we'll, we'll throw some hands. <laughs> Have you had that type of, yeah, because that's a great example of Colby and Kamara really don't like each other. And um, they've had a couple of fights. I think Kamara has won both fights uh, decidedly. Um, have you had that with anybody where you had where you fought him and, um, and and had a chance to beat somebody who you genuinely didn't like? Uh, no, not, not yet. Uh, for, for me, I've never really, I want that type of fight. That's what I was trying to call out for like a Sean Strickland or somebody like that or like a Colby Covington, somebody that, I genuinely dislike, and I think that that would change, level up my game a little bit. But it's like I'm fighting Damian Maya, and I'm like, hey, you, you can't hate a Damian Maya, right? And then people are like, talk trash to him. I'm like, bro, he's a legend of the game. Like, he's not gonna talk back, and it's just like, I'm not gonna fake it. Like, it, for for me, it's like I, I hate when guys try to fake a, a rivalry or something like that because fans will read it, fans see it, and they know what's real and what's not real. And to me, I'm like, I don't need to do it like that. Yeah, and no one dislikes Stephen Thompson. Like, you can't. He's the <laughs> nicest guy in the business. Like, no one uh, has – I've never heard anyone say anything bad about him. So he's a guy that you can't go – you just got to beat him because he's you, the guy you're fighting. But everybody likes him. 
Yeah, exactly. Even my my family is like, oh, why are you fighting him for? And I'm like, oh, my God. And they all have like pictures with them because like whenever you go to a fight event, he's like super cool. Like we've always when we've always saw each other with respect and stuff like that. And he's always come up and things like that. So it's cool. But like you said, it's it's about leveling up and it's about climbing that ladder. And he's a guy that's fought for the title twice. Yeah. He's been top five for his whole career. And he's that next level guy where, you know, if you could beat him. That's the best striker in the division. I think he's the hardest guy to fight in the division as well. I mean, everybody's talking about the new boogeyman comes at Chamaya and saying, oh, everybody's afraid to fight him. I don't think so. Like, he's an easy guy to fight train for because he has good wrestling and his striking. There's nothing uh, out of the ordinary about it. Like, you, you, you have a million guys in a room that look exactly like him and fight like him. Uh, for Stephen Thompson, there's a specific style you have to train for. He's a specialist in striking, a specialist in movement, a specialist in karate. So it's a different type of training and it's a different type of thought process when you're training for a guy like that. And even if you train for a guy like that, the fact is he just doesn't get tired. Like he literally, he'll do that for 25 minutes, that side to side bouncing movement. And it's just, I've seen guys really, everyone kind of knows this is how he moves, but it's still, it's impossible almost to, to replicate the way you would need it to, for it to translate into a 25 minute fight. Exactly. And that's the thing where it's like a lot of the guys lose to him because they're, they're they're busy watching him. They're looking at him. They're seeing what he's doing. And then all of a sudden the round's over after he hits you 25 times. And you're like, all right, well, next round I'm going to pick it up again. And then all of a sudden he's standing in front of you doing that movement again. And you're watching and watching and watching. And then you don't start realizing that you need to start putting your foot on the gas until it's the third round. Uh, we saw his last fight, the really the only guy that ever went in there with a mindset of shooting on him was Gilbert Burns. Other than that, everybody else was in there playing his game of striking and uh, going the the touch for uh, touch for touch with him. And you can't do that with a guy like Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Yeah, he seems like he's kind of hard to cut the cage off on too. Like you know, a guy's moving like that, you may want to cut the cage, but he just seems like you know, if you try to cut the cage, he'll just go the other way. Yeah, he's like I said, he's a, he's a specialist in movement, uh, and there's not a lot of guys like that. You could say he's specialist in karate, but like his movements next level too, and the way that. He moves laterally. There's not a lot of guys that know how to move like that, and he does it effortlessly. Like you said, he don't get tired. Yeah. Um, and what do you think of the, uh, the the top of the division? Um, what, what do you think of? Obviously, I'm sure you watched uh, Kamaro and Colby. And Kamaro, I, I mean, he I think he's a little frustrated. He feels like he doesn't get the respect he deserves, and he really should be considered uh, one of the best, if not the best, pound for pound uh, pound for pound fighters right now. Um, and what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you can't respect a guy like Kamaro. He's getting better every single fight, and he's a champion that's active. A lot of these guys will sit out right. for four years. This guy's fighting the guys, every guy they put in front of him. I know people are saying, well, Masvidal didn't deserve that. Well, Masvidal stepped up in six days, and he took that fight on six days' notice. So I think he did deserve that fight, and the rematch made sense at the time. So, And the fact that a guy that's never been knocked out before like that, Usman knocked him out. A guy like Gilbert Burns. Who hasn't been you, his last ten fights? He hasn't looked as good as that, and then all of a sudden he gets knocked out again. Even though Kamaru got rocked in that fight, but he showed the heart of a champion, leveled up, got smart again. And then the second fight with Kobe, um, I feel like he rocked Kobe early, and I thought he think I think he thought he was going to finish him because of his other two fights like that. So I think he got a little bit tired in the fourth and fifth round, but still, heart of a champion shows that. He, he, he beat him way easier than he did the first fight, I think. Yeah, I think I think so, too. And uh, Leon Edwards, you know, you had that fight with him, the eye poke. It was obviously an accident, but I'm sure very frustrating for you. Um, are, are you irritated that you're not getting a second go at Leon? Yeah, very irritated. Like I said, it was like when I was talking about the Mazadov fight, he took that fight on six days notice. So I think he earned that rematch with U Usman. But for even for me, I took that fight on two weeks notice after a fight. Uh, and then he's the one who committed the foul. It was on his end. I got eye poked. And, you know, I understand him. All right, taking an ADS fight, blah, 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 whatever. That's a big money fight. But even this fight right here, I was asking for this one. When Masvidal pulled out, still December 4th, I would have took this fight too. Uh, and I just feel like it made sense for me to get that fight. Uh, I know he's trying to say that he wants to wait and see, uh, wait for the title fight. But Usman said he's going to take some time to sit with his daughter. And a lot of stuff happens in between those months. And it's all about momentum in this game. It's like, if I beat Stephen one more Thompson, top five, that's a way bigger win than Leon's win against Nate Diaz. So, and then you, like I said, you still got other guys coming up. Chamaya, they're they're waiting for anything for it to happen with him. If he gets one more win, they're going to try to push him to that title fight easily next. Especially if he, they're going to give him try, a guy like Gilbert Burns, which I think is a great matchup. Yeah. Uh, but if he ends up winning that fight, 
there's no way that they're not going to get let him skip the line in front of Leon. Yeah, it seems it seems that way. And then, then we just had Yechi on. He was saying that there's a clear path with um, UFC as opposed to boxing to the title. But at times there is a, a weird workaround. Like if a guy has a couple of really impressive wins, um, a lot of times they'll they'll, they'll jump one or two uh, spots, which we've seen before. Yeah, like I said, it's, the game's all about hype. It's all about who's going to sell at that moment. And I feel like they're trying to build Leon up a little bit, trying to give him Nate Diaz to steal some of his fans. They were trying to give him Masvidal to get some of his fans because he's not as active on social media. He's not as active like in the public eye. He doesn't like to talk. He, I mean, he wins in the cage nine fights in a row, but it's like in this game, you have to be an entertainer outside of it too. You need to want the public to be screaming for you to get a title fight. The fighters could be saying, oh, I think he deserves it, yada, yada, yada. But it's like, if they're not going to sell pay-per-views, it doesn't make no sense for the UFC. If this guy who's the, the next biggest star, Tamayo has that kind of like uh, the McGregor uh, attitude about it, where it's like people are trying to see what's next with this guy. Who's this next hype? And, you know, the way he wins his fights, he, he only got hit one time in four fights. It's like people are thinking that this guy is the, the next coming to John Jones type thing. Um, so it's like if he wins, that, that's going to be the biggest draw to, to fight Usman. Speaking of McGregor, he had some stuff to say about your uh, <laughs> about you after the fight, right? Uh, what, yeah, what? That, that guy. He's literally out here just. I don't know what he's just bored, but he's looking for any type of attention when a fight goes on. Uh, his fans were coming at me. I think uh, because I said in the analyst work, I said that uh, Holloway was the first guy to beat Aldo in ten fights, and then uh, you know I think that I think that triggered him a little bit because he was the one that beat Aldo with a knockout. But the yeah. guy hasn't won a fight in like 10 years. So, like, you forget these things. I forgot that McGregor wins fights, actually. Uh, <laughs> he's been out for so long. Yeah, it's got to be hard, too. Like, um, when you, when you, I think he sold his company for like 600 million. I mean, I'm shocked that he still fights. Just to put yourself through that with that kind of money. I mean, he definitely likes fighting and he, I think he takes losses very personally. But with that kind of money, I can't see any motivation to keep doing it. He just seems to love fighting. I would quit comedy for two hundred and fifty thousand. I'm out. I'll do my podcast and I'm done. <laughs> I think for McGregor, it's kind of like the attention. You know, it's yeah. when you're when you're in the public eye, when you have all that hype, when people put you on this pedestal, it's like once you start losing, and then you start wait, how come they're not talking about me? And that's why I feel like he's always doing random things whenever these guys are fighting. When Max Holloway is fighting, posting a video of him looking him down is, I mean, it's stupid. It's not even creative anymore for him. It's like he used to be witty, he used to be good, but now it's just like, ah, eh, it's not really nothing special about it because you lost two times in a row, you got finished two times in a row, uh, and you don't have that. I'm a double champ anymore. You're like you don't have that anymore. Like if you were to fight Max Holloway, Max Holloway would piece piece him up right now. Uh, I think he yeah. needs to come back, win a fight, prove himself again, because his last win was against Donald Cerrone. And it was like, Donald Cerrone is not the same guy that he was. Yeah. So it's not the same mystic Mac. Now it's just like a pathetic Mac. Yeah. He's uh that, that was a weird win too. Over the, the shoulder. Uh, I mean, again, it was a creative win. So I started, who was just doing, I just started you, somebody this weekend. Uh, Rose was doing it. She was, oh. yeah, she was, I mean, it looks so painful. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, that, that's one of those things where it's it, it's been happening for forever. But it's like because McGregor did it, it was like he gets all the attention for it. But that's that's one of those shots where it, it's it's a sport where you try to be creative with any type of your limbs to hit him with. So the shoulder strikes have been handling a lot, and they hurt. It hurts, right? Where where and that that I mean, what does that as hurt as much as a punch? It, uh, no, because it's like. It doesn't, it just surprises you because you're there. And then it's like the, the thing that you don't expect, that's what hurts you the most. So right. it's like when you just get with a shoulder, you're like, what the heck? Where did, where did that come from right now? Uh, so to catch you on weird spots, like McGregor's, I think it caught Cerrone in the nose. So when you get hit directly in the nose, that rocks you a little bit. And weren't they in the center of the octagon too? If, if I'm remembering correctly, that seems like it'd be something more effective up against the cage. But that was, I think, maybe in the center of the octagon, if I'm remembering right. Yeah, yeah, it was center rock guy because Cerrone was uh, sitting there trying to hold on to his wrist a little bit, and he wasn't doing much in there. I think Cerrone, uh, you know, McGregor came out super hard, caught him with a, uh, a left punch, and then Cerrone, I felt, was like a little bit rocked, so he was trying to hold on a little bit, and then McGregor just started popping him with that. All right, well, uh, look, good luck against uh, Wonder Boy. That's a great fight, and uh, Lewis uh, Dawkins is a really, really interesting main event, too. 
Um, and we'll talk to you after, uh, Bilal. It's always, always great having you on and uh, have a great holiday. I'm sure we'll talk to you uh, early next year and, and have a great fight. For sure. Appreciate you guys, man. Thank you again. Yeah, that's a, that's a big main event. All right, Bobby. I, I uh, thank you for coming on today. This was a lot of fun. I can't believe it's almost an hour already. Yeah, that was great. It's good to see you, man. You too, buddy. I have to. Go, I'm running out. So I'm going to tape. They're doing a documentary on Dice, and uh, he actually mentioned you. Um, Andrew mentioned you. Is it maybe Bobby? Like uh, they got a couple of us just talking about Dice, but he mentioned he loves you. He called me uh, around a month ago at one in the morning. Yeah, he does that sometimes. Eleanor. And you can't, I mean, it, we talked, it was an hour, over an hour, maybe two. Yeah. And you're just listening, laughing. He is yeah. one of the funniest human beings. Yeah. Just a human being funny. Bobby, it's dice. And then it's just nonsense. <laughs> he made me laugh so hard. He did that. He went to see Billy Joel. And in the back, and he's talking to Billy Joel and he goes, and that song you do, uh, The Way We Was, and that just, it made me, Billy Joel's trying to get ready for a show and this fucking idiot. <laughs> you remember when we were backstage with Billy Joel? Uh, Talk about morons. <laughs> that was uncomfortable, yeah. You went, yeah, I'm not really into this music. I'm an Aussie guy, but this, <laughs> I like it. It's not bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know what to say. I was nervous, panicking. That's 18 years ago we did that. Ah, dude, I can't believe how time. You know what? It's 18 fun. years. It's nuts, man. It's great. I I'll hope- see you soon, buddy. I, I miss you a lot, man. And uh, are you in town this weekend or no? Uh, no, man. Comedy on Carlson uh, up in Rochester this weekend. Oh, yeah. Good gig. This weekend at the Bananas in, uh, in your na- old neighborhood over there in uh, Hasbro. Hackensack. Ha- oh, Hasbro Heights. Oh, okay. Not much. But uh, yeah, uh, I'll be, hopefully I'll see you on Thanksgiving. And uh, yeah. And uh, I love you. I love you. I can. I, I love you too, man. Um, and uh, thanks, Justin Gaethje, the great Justin Gaethje, and uh, Bilal Muhammad. And uh, see you soon, Bobby. Take care, buddy. Ask Sherwin Williams and get thirty percent off Duration and Super Deck products May seventeenth through the twentieth. That means 30% off our most popular color family, blue. Psychologists have found it to be soothing and relaxing, which makes it especially great for bedrooms and bathrooms. And of course, get 30% off all of our other colors. Shop the sale online or visit your neighborhood Sherwin-Williams store. Click the banner to learn more. Retail sales only. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.